0: Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. Psychologist, author, speaker, musician, former professor, and the host of Love and Life, Dr. Karen Anderson Abrol. Welcome to Dr. Karen Love and Life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Abrol. Today on the program, we're talking about finding love later in life. And with me to discuss this are two people who know a little bit about this. One is Treva Brandon Scarf; She's the blogger from The Late Blooming Bride, future author, and future radio show host. And she'll tell us a little bit more about that later in the program. Also, I have with me Chip Gregory, who met his husband a little bit later in life. Welcome to the program, Chip and Treva. Hi. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you on. I appreciate your time and appreciate you sharing with my listeners. I just wanted to toss out some of the many different themes that we deal with. I was just thinking as I was preparing for the podcast, I was thinking about the tension because during those years, and I think we can all speak to this, there's that tension between enjoying your freedom and then also feeling that pressure as every year goes on, you're thinking, huh, I kind of have that longing too for that life partner. Trevor, I'll start with you because from what I know of you, as we've talked over the years, you are actually a fitness expert by day and kind of found your path as a blogger through your own personal experience. I got into the fitness business and
1: have been at it and never looked back for about 20 years now. And then, and I wanted to blog about fitness because that's something I know intimately. And just about that time, um, I got engaged. And suddenly, I had a story to tell. So I started the blog, and it started with just kind of, isn't this crazy, a 50-year-old getting married for the first time, and and isn't it crazier that I met someone who also was a late-blooming groom? You know, all this stuff that goes along with being a 50-year-old first-time bride. Oftentimes, I would be in dressing rooms next to women that could probably be my daughters. <laughs> and Chip,
0: you also had a little bit of a longer spell in the single scene
2: i did yeah
0: before you met your husband so tell us a little bit um you were also in fitness yes
2: i was not (laughs) (laughs) i was in los angeles i was a comedy writer and you know actor and producer Mm -hmm. and i kind of went through this transitional period me and a couple writing partners we had a show a comedy sketch comedy show that was going to be green lit and uh the next day we got a phone call and the producer said, well, the writer strike is happening. <laughs> this is back in 2008, by the way. Oops. Yeah. They decided, you know, they're not going to do any more shows. So there was a family situation. I thought, well, you know what? I need to figure out what I'm going to do. So I went uh, back to Ohio. Uh, was going to be there six months to help out uh, with family situation. And I met the love of my life. <laughs>
0: yeah. See what that strike did for you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It seemed like a horrible thing and then ended up being a great thing. Right,
2: right. And, you know, so then at that point I was already in a transition of what my career was gonna be. And I decided then to go back into PR marketing and, you know, be a communication strategist mm-hmm. and started that full-time, mm-hmm. um, which is great because then I had clients in LA, Chicago, New York but I stationed in in Columbus, Ohio.
0: Cause that's where the man was. That's where the man is, <laughs> that's right. So it's interesting. So Treva started a lot of her writing based on kind of the unique experience of being an older bride. And I think that's something that is unique. And I'm curious, Treva and Chip, so what do you think about being older and going through this life change? Because a lot of times, so from my perspective, you guys know, I'm also with a late blooming bride. I got married at 42. And a lot of times you hear things about that first year of marriage being so hard. And my experience was that it, wasn't as hard. What do you think, Treva? I have never lived with anybody other than, you know, some college
1: roommates. So I had no expectations. I had no idea what to expect. I had boyfriends and we would spend time together, but not to the point where we had toothbrushes at each other's homes and could really let it rip. You know what I mean? We tried to find a new place before we got married and couldn't. So we ended up, he moved in with me. At first, that was tough because I have the cutest little apartment and everything has its place and it's all decorated and everything's perfect. And then he came in, uh, all of a sudden I started getting like, oh my God, oh my God, what are you doing? What's happening? Why are you taking that out? Why are you moving that? Don't move that. No, no, I need that. I need that. And the first week or two of just like feeling, you know, the logistics of it was a little okay, but I breathed. I breathed. (laughs) And then the rest has just been kind of hilarity. No one is perfect. No one. No situation is perfect. The good news is doing this a little older, you do know what you want and you know who you are. Right. Bad news
0: is that, oh my gosh, you can be very dug in. (laughs) It's very... very set in your ways. Well, and that's definitely out there in the discourse. There's that notion if a guy's single for so long, you know, women, of course, we get called old maids. (laughs) Men, they're just a bachelor and he's kind of set in his ways. And so there's the explanation Mm -hmm. there. So you're right. There is that notion that's out there. Personally, I didn't experience that, like I said, but Chip, what about you? I mean, and there's two of you, two men that burp and fart, and how's that going? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's
2: different versions of that, right?
0: So, I want see a total gas factory where you guys are.
2: You no, know, well, that's because of our dog. <laughs> but that's another story. Uh, <laughs> we have two bulldogs, so.
1: <laughs> oh my God,
2: Trevor, I agree. I, you know, I always say lean into it, right? So, you know, I would love to say, "Oh, it was easy." I knew the first time I laid eyes on my my husband that he was the one i've never had that before i was a hopeless romantic so was he now i I agree with you because there's some things that are easier when you're older but like you said we uh, both can be stubborn so you just lean into it and we share the same values which i think is important but we're also we have two different personalities i'm extroverted he's introverted he's very you know logical and and i'm you know more creative so you know, I always say the things that we kind of are a good match because we help each other with that, but also we share the same values. I think that's the key. I knew that for me, the first argument we had, and I can't even tell you what it was, but I knew he was the one because I didn't walk out of the room and we resolved it. Huh. I don't know if that was because he's the one or I was older, mm-hmm. right?
0: Right. Yeah. So
2: as Trevor was talking, I was like, yes, absolutely. That's right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because I remind my listeners all the time about the statistics. And so the stats show that the older you are at the age of first marriage, the less likely you are to divorce. So I think that's encouraging. I mean, we're hoping that that's reflective of the fact, like you said, Trevor, you know who you are. And like you're saying, Chip, yeah, is it the maturity that you've gained? Or was it also a combination of, yeah, you're more mature, so you're not going to walk out of the room with that fight happening? Or was it also because? For the first time, there was someone who was worth not walking out of the room for, and, and you know, the, yeah. and both. And to my mind, because I always encourage my listeners as well. You know, they'll say, "Oh, I have all these pathologies that are keeping me single," because that's what they hear. You know, I, I'm sure you heard it, Trevor. I'm sure you heard, heard it, Jeff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I heard it. I was too picky. Oh, I. You have a PhD. Maybe you intimidate the guys. I'm like, okay, it's like it's. 2000 people. <laughs> yeah. We are not in 1918 here. you know. So I always encourage my listeners to remember too, that those pathologies are those things that, that people tell you, you are, you are you. And, and when the right person comes around, miraculously, those pathologies aren't there anymore because all of a sudden when it's the right fit, things fall into place. And I believe too, that you are who you are and that you're
1: not defective, and there's nothing wrong with you, and that you just haven't found the one yet. And I do, I really do believe that. Also, though, I feel like you, if there are things that there might be things that are holding you back, there might be things that you're doing to self-sabotage, there might be things you're doing to undermine your chances at love. And I think that between accepting yourself for who you are, totally accepting it and owning it, whoever you are, what, <clears throat> whatever, whatever it is about you, and facing the hard truths about yourself, there's the magic. I had to do some work. There was, there was work involved. For me to walk down that aisle, um, I did the work. I wasn't attracting healthy relationships. I knew there was something amiss was I dysfunctional? No, was I just defective? No, but there was just a little something that needed some examining. So, I did some work,
0: and that's how it happened. Can you just can you be a little more specific just so listeners can understand well when you're single for a long time because like I I shared, I felt I felt that I heard that and I internalized it at times. And and it was something I had to fight against to say, "No, I'm no more psychologically flawed than my friend who got married at 20." Just because marriage is the norm and being single until you're 42 is not the norm doesn't mean that I'm more psychologically flawed. You can also make the argument that some people who make that choice too early are psychologically flawed. And that's why they fuse together with someone because they're scared to step into adulthood solo. I mean, you can also make that argument, but we don't because marriage is the norm. Can you speak a little bit more about the work specifically? I did all kinds of um, self-examination um,
1: I, if someone said to me, you've got to read this book, it's called Codependent No More, okay? You've got to see this movie, it's called uh, The Secret. Uh, you've got to um, take this class, it's um, on uh, personal growth and self-empowerment. I mean, I, I did, I was sort of just on a mission um, to get as strong and healthy as I could. I didn't have to do a full overhaul on my personality, I think what was happening is that I I do tend to be a little codependent. I do tend to attract people that I can fix. And I saw that quality in myself. And I thought, you know, as long as I keep doing this, I will
0: never get my needs met. So I had to come to that to that point in my life. You know, my book, as you know, because you reviewed it for your blog, my book is all about you're fine. Just, hey, don't settle, continue to thrive in your single life, remain happy, hopeful, positive, And when it's time, it's going to happen. But at the same time, it doesn't mean that I'm saying, fine, live your dysfunctional life and <laughs> and be completely screwed up. And, and, and no, that's not what I'm saying. So there is a tension there. Chip, how about you? Did you have some work that you felt that like looking back that mm-hmm. needed to happen before you'd be ready to meet Troy?
2: Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing, I think, when you're at our age, there's some things that you repeat in relationships, right. Mm. That are bad. So for example, um, how you argue. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, I was a big, let me leave the room right, and cool down. And he's not, he's like, we're going to work this out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And come up with, well, this drives me crazy. Well, it doesn't drive me crazy, but I'm going to go ahead and do it your way because it doesn't matter to me Right. and vice versa.
1: I, I would also mention that um, I did get, a, I don't want to say a lot of therapy, but I did over the years at various times and and found it enormously helpful.
2: Yeah, me too. Trav I was going to say the same thing. Like it real like all the stuff in therapy, right. Came up mm. and then it's like, oh, okay, this is interesting. This just came up again. <laughs> right. And it was in In this relationship because i wanted it to work
1: my whole thing with therapy is get off the couch as soon as possible hit it hit it and hit it hard and then go and live it
0: dr karen anderson abril i'd love to connect with you on social media on instagram i'm at dr karen d-r-k-a-r-i-n here i share my thoughts on love and life through original quotes and images i'd love to have you join the conversation on Twitter, I'm at Dr. Karen Anderson. You can find me live tweeting my favorite shows. This is Us, Will and Grace, and my guilty pleasure. All shows Bachelor Nation. On Facebook, I'm at Dr. Karen AndersonAbril. There you can read my blog, see where I'm speaking, and find links to others' podcasts when I'm a guest on their show. In family systems theory, we talk about this notion of the recapitulation of family of origin issues. And all that means is that when we are young, we're dealing with the stuff we deal with. And some families are decently functional and some are horribly dysfunctional, but they're all a little dysfunctional because we're human. And like you said, no one's perfect and no family's perfect. So the theory is that then we, in our adulthood, we basically recreate some of the same energy, some of the same dynamics with our adult relationships in efforts to, and this is not conscious, but in efforts to fix what went wrong. So just, you know, Psych 101 example, if someone had a very distant father, then they may in their adulthood chase emotionally unavailable men. I know this is like Psych 101, but you know where I'm going here. And what the energy is about is if I can get Paul to love me, it'll make up for the fact that my father was never around and never loved me. And so like when you guys are talking about doing the work through therapy, which of course I'm a psychologist, I'm a huge fan of therapy, and I love Travis' model. Get in, hit it hard, <laughs> go big, and then, yeah, and then get out and live it. You know, it should not be that you're on the couch for seven and a half years. <laughs> As therapists, we would not consider that healthy therapy. Yeah, family
1: of origin, there is truth to that. I'm not blaming it all on that, but uh, my first male Role model in my life was my father, and my dad was a little broken after mm-hmm. my, after they divorced. And I grew up kind of with a grief-stricken father for a long mm-hmm. time. He was the first man, and I thought, well, all men must be broken like this, right. you know? So, you know, it's no surprise that I tended to attract that kind of a guy that I could fix.
0: Sure. Yeah, exactly.
1: Until I said yeah. no more. That's That was... Right. Um, you know, when I had had enough, I think after the the last guy I dated before I met Robbie, that's wow. when um, I had my epiphany. And um, I thought because he wasn't really into a relationship with me. We had been dating for six months and said something to the effect that uh, love wasn't really a priority for him. And I said, "Okay, well then we are done here, right? Because this is as good as it's going to get. I cannot get any more wonderful than I am. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Not a bad guy, but just someone bad for me. That was a really empowering moment for me because uh, there were there was a time when I probably would have hung in mm-hmm. and waited and waited until he got his you know stuff together." That might have been indefinite. I don't know how long that would have taken. And I thought, uh-uh, I've wasted so much time already. You're you're out. So, and for that reason, you're out. It was like Shark Tank. <laughs> or other. I'm
0: out. And for that reason, I'm out. But I think the work you did allowed you to peace out with this gentleman. because, you, you, Because I think if you hadn't done that work, like you said, you might have hung in there. And so that's the clarity, too, that I think we are afforded when we do our work, whether it's counseling, self-help books, podcasts, all of this stuff. And so you were able to to go, no, this isn't for me. And I know that I am a mature, emotionally mature. I've worked hard to be this healthy. And like you said, this fantastic because I am, but not in an arrogant way. Just like I know what I have to offer relationship. I know it's valuable. So if you're not into this, then it's, that's about you. And, And I, you know, not in a defensive posture, but just like no harm, no foul. This isn't for me, which then freed you up to meet Robbie. So, you know, it's just hard in the moment, you know, because so, I, I interact with so many of my listeners on Instagram and they have these down moments. And I'm I'm always wanting to it, without sounding so I, I want to be gentle when I say it, because I know when I was in that space, it was so painful. But I want to just say, do you know what? this guy leaving you is the best thing ever because (laughs) that's just freeing you up to meet the right one. Yeah. Go ahead. Chip.
2: You had, uh, there was a quote that you had actually said that I read. It wasn't meant to happen with this one because it was supposed to be.
0: Yeah. You can't get it right with with the wrong one one or something like that. I remember. Yeah. And
2: that resonated with me. It's like, That's why that didn't yeah, work out because right. it was supposed to work out this way. Yeah. Whatever you believe, any kind of romantic notion that you may have, you know, it's it's still, for me, that's that's where it's at.
1: Mm-hmm. If somebody doesn't want you, don't take it personally. I did that so oh, many yeah. times. Human nature. Oh, my God. And it yeah. just, all it did was really uh, wear my, my confidence down and my self-esteem and my self-worth. And I didn't understand the concept of, um, all right, if this guy doesn't want me, then he's not my guy. He doesn't see the magic.
2: And that's exactly the same word that I've used with my husband in relationship now. That's so interesting. I think I said earlier, I'm a hopeless romantic. And we both were, and we kind of gave up on love and we found each other anyway. But I'll give you an example. It's like, you can't make this stuff up. And even I look at it and go, come on, this is <laughs> over the top. But our first date Three years before I knew he was the one, but our first date, it was magical and it was wonderful. And the sun was out, but it was pouring rain and the streets are flooding and I'm running down to meet him at this restaurant. So romantic, something from a really bad 90s British comedy with Hugh Graham. And then <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> I love that movie.
2: It's a great movie, but still. <laughs> and, you know, when he proposed to me, it was another rainy Saturday afternoon with the sun shining. We didn't plan it that way. It just happened. And then on our wedding day, we woke up and it was raining and it was a Saturday and the sun was out, but it was storming. It was magical.
0: That's your thing. <laughs> and, and it was like, <laughs> yeah. And
2: so it's funny, the things that never happened before. And I know it just, you know, I it's horrifying how I tell all my friends on social media about this stuff, but I don't care. It's the first time I found magic. I believe in it. I was so cynical before, and all that stuff when I'm with Troy falls away.
1: That is so nice. What a lovely story.
2: <laughs> Thanks. I
0: <know>. I, <laughs> I'm I know. trying
2: to be funny and witty, but it's I, not happening I think, today. No,
0: I think we all got caught up in the moment. I was just like, oh. <laughs> and, and, you know, one of the things I also, and I'm curious what you both think, because I have a lot of listeners who are. They'll say things like, "Well, what if I just keep being attracted to the wrong type of person?" And so, what I suggest, what Trevor's saying, is that when you do the work, that's not sexy anymore. So that that energy, that that bad boy, that guy who's emotionally unavailable, he's not sexy anymore. Like you said, you know, you walked away. The the temptation to stay in a relationship that was not good for you, was just not there anymore. It's not compelling anymore. Because that's what I want to encourage listeners is all the work that you do to empower yourself as a single young adult and single middle-aged adult, mm-hmm. all that does is prepare you to be able to sift through and, and, and be able to detect who is for you and who's not. And I do believe that your attraction then follows suit. You do become attracted to healthy. As you get healthy.
2: Absolutely. And then you want to get healthy. You want to continue that and get healthy together.
0: Yes.
1: I totally subscribe to that notion. You get what you give and um, you got to love yourself. I know it's really cliche. You have to practice self-love and self-care. You got to love yourself first. You really do. Whatever it takes to get there. Um, And if you're used to chaos and drama, you're going to have to wean yourself off that. So the healthier I got, the faster I put my hand up, uh, the faster I could see the red flags. And that's when you know you're on the path of right action.
2: I think for me, one of the biggest epiphany was, and I know everybody has read this book and maybe have talked about it, I know on your program, and um, I was introduced to it by you, actually, is The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. We both took that quiz. I think it's a year and a half ago. We we sat yeah. down and we did it, right? Yeah, and we were together. That's right. Yeah. And it was just so eye-opening. And it really, really clicked for me, especially meeting love um, later in life. And I wish that book was there 20 years ago. Yeah. But it doesn't matter it because it was to hap- supposed yeah. to be, right? Yeah. yeah. There,
0: again, that's another tension between like, yes. I wish I'd known then what I know now, but then you were – Troy wasn't ready for you then. And you weren't ready for Troy then. Yeah. That's so right. again, it depends on your belief system. But for me, I believe, you know, God's got it all under his control. And so we're meant to meet. And by the way, for the 20 somethings out there, when I was 20, I would have been like, shut up. <laughs> There's no meant to be. <laughs> yeah. I hate all that woo woo crap. Especially when you break up with somebody, right? <laughs> exactly. Oh yeah. my gosh. Oh, and people yeah. are like, it was all, everything happens for a reason. I want to punch him in the face. I mean, <laughs> so and I'm not a violent person. <laughs> But yeah, so as you get a couple of years under your belt, you go, mm, yeah, it was meant to be, even though it's it's kind of hard as well to wrap your mind around that when you're just devastated, when you're just in pain.
1: Hi, this is Bruni Getchell, life coach and clinical hypnotherapist from Boston,
0: Massachusetts, and I listen to Dr. Karen's podcast, Love and Life. Another thing I wanted to talk to both of you about this is something I heard a lot too, all my years being single. So I dated, like I'm thinking of two guys in particular. One was the drummer in my band. Yeah. That's what Fleetwood Mac, you know, <laughs> you date the people in your band. Right. And the other was this very um, artistic filmmaker who want to be, I mean, he, he was very talented, but, you know, hadn't quite launched that film career. It's a tough career to launch. Right. So and so people kind of would say, well, Karen, you know, you go for these artistic, sensitive guys, and and they're not grownups, really, right? And here I am, 35, 38, dating these guys. And I remember thinking, okay, like kind of – am I trying to like – there was an element of me going – I will be your rock, and I will be your muse, and then mm. you will be inspired to be all that you're meant to be because of me, and that sounds a little narcissistic when I say it that way, <laughs> but, but you know, I, I kind of thought this will work because you'll have that thing that you needed, and it'll be me, and it'll be us, and it'll work, And but then also looking back, and this is what I want you guys to weigh in on, I think it wasn't completely pathological. There was also, I wanted a sensitive man. I'm a little... Tenderhearted, hearted sensitive woman. And I needed that. I wanted a man who was all man, but also sensitive. And frankly, that's not always easy to find. And so the, there were parts of what I was attracted to that were healthy and were a good fit for me. I just had to find the full package that was the perfect fit, not the perfect person, because there's no one who's perfect, but the perfect fit for me. You may
1: not find someone, you know, right away. You may not find Mr. Wright, or the one on your, on your timetable. You kind of have to be okay with that too, that I said, okay. I literally got to that point. I had had it. You know, F it. I'm going to be single and I'm going to be a happy single person and I may never find the one and I may never get married. And you know what? I'm not going to let that stop me from enjoying life and seeking out my own happiness. And by the way, that energy, um, people feel, There's nothing more attractive and sexier than a happily single person.
0: Well, and you know, my listeners know I called off a wedding at 34 and there was that moment of just, okay, this could be it. I mean, 34, we look back and like, oh my gosh, (laughs) (laughs) I was was a baby. But you know, in the moment I thought, you know what, this could be it. This may be the last man who ever gets down on a knee and proposes to you. And are you going to go through with it knowing down deep? that you're walking down the aisle and lying, making vows you really don't mean? Or are you just going to go, you know what? No, I'd rather live an authentic, true life. And I will be happy because happiness is on me anyway. And I got this. No, no time was wasted. Mm. It was all about, I'm going to live my happy life. And if someone happens to join in and we walk hand in hand, cool. But if not, It's funny. I remember my oldest brother, Warren, saying to me, I just thought that you being single was going to be that big challenge and then it would happen for you. And I looked at him, I'm I'm like, if it does, it does. But if it doesn't, I am good. I love my life. I was like, don't worry about me and don't think of me as this tragic figure. Mm. Nothing sexier than someone who's happy and living life on their own terms and not going to be pressured into a relationship just to be with someone or not to be pressured into getting married just so that grandma will shut up at Christmas. I mean, it's about living life on your own terms and that's powerful.
1: Hi, this is Damia Jackson. I am an avid listener of Dr. Karen's Love and Life podcast. It empowers, educates, and informs me to make better decisions in my life. I am
0: happy that this resource is available to me.
2: I had a conversation. Uh, this was actually, I would say, around about ten years ago, and I was talking to a friend. And you know, I had uh, dated somebody, and it was serious, and uh, it went past like six weeks. And uh, he goes, <laughs> "Wow, it's getting serious." And I'm like, "Okay." He's like, "Oh, so the man child is growing up?" And I was so offended by that. It's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. And apparently, I had this. A reputation not for being, you know, a serial dater, but you know, I was 40 and apparently, you know, like, well, when are you going to settle down? Okay. I just decided, well, I'm not going to let that define me. The reason why I'm dating is because I am trying to find the person. Right. So I guess it's all context and it's all relative. But at the same time, I have to say, you know, and you were talking about this, Trevor, you so then the self awareness came in. Well, why? I ended most of those relationships. Why? Did it get too real?
0: Okay, I'm gonna step in here. That's called single shaming.
2: Thank you. And we don't go
0: for that on my show. Right, so right. that no man. Child. No, you're called Whatever. No, exactly. You that's are considered right. less adult because you're yeah. still single.
2: Right, right. That's why yeah. No,
0: that's what it is. And no. And we that's speak horrible. we speak about that in my book. And then we, we 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 are not for that on Doctor Karen Love Thank and Life. Okay, you. no, <laughs> we're not going for that. Uh, Trevor, um, talk a little bit about your book and the radio show that's on the horizon. We are going to be debuting
1: a radio show called "Done Being Single" on Voice America on the Empowerment Channel, and uh, we are live every Saturday at twelve Pacific Standard, three p.m. Eastern. And if you can't catch it live, uh, you can get it on demand. It is going to be a radio talk show, dating advice show with segments, dating do's and don'ts, guest experts, and we'll take callers and it should be a lot of fun. So that's coming up um, in a couple weeks on the 17th. And
0: then my book is almost finished. Treva, where can everyone find you on social media? And then Chip, let people know where they can find you as well. So go ahead, Treva.
1: Um, uh, Twitter, at Treva B-Me, T-R-E-V-A, B, the letter B, and then me, M-E. And then done being single, at done being single. That's going to be up and live uh, in the next few weeks. So look out for that. And Treva be me on Instagram, um, trevabrandonscharf.com. T-R-E-V-A, Brandon, B-R-A-N-D-O-N, Scharf, S-C-H-A-R-F.com.
0: Okay, great. Thanks for that. Chip?
2: Yeah, I'm at uh, GregoryFowler.com, Gregory Fowler Communications. We are a marketing and PR communications agency, branding, creative services, video production, graphic design, all the good stuff.
0: He's my manager, so. Yeah. I'm also <laughs>
2: Dr. Karen's manager.
0: <laughs> and BFF, so, yeah.
2: yeah. She was my best person at my wedding, yeah, so. <laughs> just,
0: yeah, just not, almost yeah. a year ago now, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much, Trevor. Thank you, Chip. I, I, oh, this has wonderful. been very enjoyable for me, but I hope it's been rewarding for my listeners, and I believe it will be. And so thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. You got it. Thank you. you. It's
2: it. just
1: been Thanks. totally inspiring for me as well. Thanks. I've, I love your stories, Chip and Karen. You guys are
0: awesome. You rock. Thank you. Wow. you too. Thank <laughs> Thanks, Treva. So the love and life hack for this week is you can't hurry love. And it's way better to wait for the right one than to try to force it or settle for the wrong one. Take it from the late blooming bride and the late blooming groom. True love is worth the wait. Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. This is Dr. Karen Anderson Abrol. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, make it a great week.
1: Dr. Karen Love and Life is produced by Chip Gregory, Senior Producer, Michelle Musso, and Host and Executive Producer, Dr. Karen
0: Anderson Abrol.